Excellent. So many things going through my mind right now, but I love this teaching. I thank God for it, and I believe he's going to use it mightily. I heard a young man who is so radical reaching the people of Portland, Oregon. Oregon, Oregon, all you Oregonians. Sorry, I can't get that right. Forgive me. I heard Pastor John say Oregon the other day, and I said, thank you, John, because I look up to you, right? So, <laughs> you'll tell me I didn't say it that way, but I was like, yes, he said it that way. <laughs> Oregon. Uh, Portland, Oregon. Oregon, I got it right that time. Just a radical kid, oh my goodness, beard down to here, kind of like black men. I always want to jump down at Coors Field and go cut black men's beard off, you know. But he probably wouldn't like that very well. It might be like a Samson deal where he can't even bat if I cut his beard off. I don't know. But uh, anyway, and wearing these tight, crazy tight jeans. And, but man, I captured, I captured his heart in, in what he was. In, and I can't even remember why I started telling you that story. Anyway. He's reaching his generation. Oh, I know what it was. Thank you, Jesus. He said, the Wesleyan church, or not the Wesleyan church, the Methodist church was a powerful, dynamic movement, ever increasing until the day they started requiring seminary training. And he said, from that point on, it was all downhill. What does that tell us? I'm not here to fault the Methodist church, but what I'm saying is, oh Lord, help me not to rest on my laurels, but help me to rest on you. If you can move more greatly with all of that training, then reduce me to nothing more than a dependent soul. Wow, I don't know, that just spoke to me. So there you go, I'm gonna get into this word and I'm gonna trust God to speak. I'm starting to cool off a little bit, so that's all good. So Jesus said that he would ask the Father and that the Father would send another advocate, another advocate. I mean, when he says another advocate, who's he referring to as the first advocate? Yeah, Jesus is our advocate. He's ever interceding with the Father, but he would send another advocate to be with us forever who is the spirit of truth. You can find that over in John 14. Jesus said that it was for our own good and for the greater glory of God that he needed to go away because it would only be in his going away that the Holy Spirit would be able to come, the Holy Spirit who would then equip and empower believers. Who does that include? Tap yourself. Include, huh? Me? Tap yourself. Come on. Me, maybe? Equip believers to carry on Jesus' work. That's in John chapter 16. It's about multiplying into every believer that we're to entrust this good news to faithful men and women who will in turn tell other faithful men and women who will in turn tell others. It's not about hiring some guy to stand up here and, and preach, though there's some value there, but it's about 
Equipping and sending, equipping and sending, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus left in order that his ministry himself, his own persona, might be lived out in in your very life. Awesome, that's John 16. John told his his followers, those those early disciples, that they, they should wait, wait. In other words, do not go about my father's business. Don't get too caught up in thinking you're doing all this good stuff for the father until you have received the promised Holy Spirit. John baptized with water, he said, referring to John the Baptist, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Oh man, so important. Acts chapter 1, then in verse 8, he continues, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be, not might be, not should be, but you will be my witnesses. Oh, so important. Then you get to Acts chapter 2. Now, Acts chapter 2, I'm going to come back to Acts chapter 2 a little bit later here. But right now, in in Acts chapter 2, it was on a holiday. It was on the day of Pentecost, this 50 days after after, uh, Passover. Uh, On this holiday of, of Pentecost, they were all gathered together when suddenly what they described as having been the sound of a blowing, violent wind came and filled the entire place where they had gathered. They, they, they described what were tongues of fire, tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on, on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. In fact, there were travelers coming by who heard them and wondered, how can they be speaking in our languages? Well, it was an outpouring. It was a miracle. That was the beginning of the Holy Spirit-filled life as God is still operating today. Many, many, many are claiming to walk in this fullness. Many are claiming to depend on this fullness. So it forces the question, do all believers walk in this kind of fullness? Absolutely not. But what we need to realize is that it is a huge part of God's plan for every one of us. Anybody want to say amen there? Or at least agree with it? Do you really believe it? I mean, should we take a vote? So over the past several weeks, what what we've done is we've talked about the promise, we've talked about the power, and we've talked about the presence, presence gifts, birthday gifts, Christmas gifts. We've talked about the the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and where we want to focus today is on this whole matter of, of appropriation, how to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. This appropriation, it's about putting something to good use or using something for the very purpose for which it was intended. How is it that some believers seem to experience greater victory, greater, greater joy, greater faith, greater capacity in, in witnessing, greater, greater, greater fruit than others? Well, honestly, some of it has to do with how God chooses to anoint individuals. But a much bigger part is that we need to learn to depend on the Holy Spirit. 
not on our knowledge, not on the certificates of the law, not because somebody calls us a zealot, but depending on God. So three things, I think there's three, we'll see. <laughs> three things maybe <laughs> that, that I want you to understand that we need to see in this business of appropriation. And the first one has to do with this whole matter of the battle of the flesh. Battle of the flesh. Could you say that? Battle of the flesh. Okay, now listen to Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. So I say, walk by, live by, be filled with, keep in step with the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the, what? Flesh, or the sinful nature, verse 17. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh what are those next four words? They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Hmm. So if you're a Christ follower today, then there, there's some things that, that are probably true of you. You can point to a moment or a time or a day when something changed about you. You know it was a moment that, that you were born again. It's, it's a moment you miraculously awoke to a brand new existence. You realized you were a sinner. You were in need of a Savior. As a sinner, you realized you have been separated from God and God's blessing. You came to, to this place. In that moment of desperation, you called on the name of the Lord, the Lord took up residence in your life, and you began a new relationship with the, the living God, with, with Creator God. It was, it was an amazing time, and, and suddenly your desire was that your attitudes and actions would shift from doing life your way to wanting to understand and begin to walk in doing life God's way. There's a, there's a word for it. It's, it's the word repentance, okay? Now, the programs love to make fun of our word repentance, but it's a very important word. So this whole moment of transformation. And at that point, they all lived happily ever after, right? No? Oh, okay, right. That's, that's right. So, so why is it? It's because at that moment of your transformation, a fight began with your inner man. Okay, now I want you to see this image. I, I think it's a valuable image. And, and what it shows here is this, this kind of a picture of this boxing ring. It's a battle going on between the flesh and, and the spirit. And while a, a new part of you wanted to do the right thing and, and wanted to do the God thing, you still had a tendency, even a desire, to do two things. One, all-out wrong things. I mean, I still want a little rebellion. And if, you, if you're going to engage in the whole witnessing game, being a, a testimony of Christ, what you're going to discover is people will say, oh man, I'm not ready to give my life to God yet. I still got some living to do. <laughs> and, and, we, and that's just the funniest thing. I appreciate that laugh out there because it's like, oh my goodness, really? You're calling what you're walking in life when God has real life? I mean, who knows better why life is? But the, still this, this, this want to do 
wrong things, but on the other side, there was this whole attitude of not wanting to do right things. You know, that whole business, love my enemies, bless those who persecute me. Are you kidding me? I mean, your body's protesting. It says, no way. That's not what I want to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. And so what's happening right there? There's literally a boxing match, but it's worse than a a boxing match because it's after blood, man. It's after gore. This whole flesh thing wants to destroy you so that if you see someone who is walking in, in, in greater spiritual victory than you are, it could be that they're fooling you. Or it could be they're learning to depend on the presence, the power, and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So, so what happens at this point? Well, a couple of things here, too. I have to look at Scott. Scott, these are not threes, okay? You're always giving a hard time for my threes. I've got twos today going on here in my brain. You're probably messing me up. It probably would be three, but if you wouldn't you know, give me a hard time, you know, it's back to two here. Uh, tragic, tragic things that happen. Number one, too often after becoming a Christian, many people feel that it is now up to them and their willpower to start doing the right things. What happens at that point? Well, frankly, it leads to, anybody want to guess what words I'm going to use? Can't do it. What? Guilt, yes. What? Legalism. Yeah, start measuring everybody else. You feel better about yourself, right? And you don't want to shoot at anybody who's living below you. I mean, if you can shoot at the guys living above you, then you got some leverage going on, right? Yeah. It's a life of frustration and it's a life of defeat because the truth is. Call me the most holy reverend. Michael just called me. Call me Pastor Mike. Give me whatever thing you want. I'd rather not even have a title. But whatever you call me, hear this. The Christian life is impossible for you. It's impossible. Can anybody just breathe a little bit and say, really? I mean, I was weightlifting next to a guy recently, and, and I don't mean to, to, to poke fun, but it's, I think it's a good example right now. You know, he, he had a gut, okay? And he's working with a trainer to get rid of his gut. And he told me, I'm, I'm doing this to get rid of my gut. And I said, the trainers are telling you that lifting weights is going to get rid of your gut? Yeah. I said, it's not. If you want to get with, rid of your gut, go and start walking, It's walking that'll strengthen those muscles back there and help you to begin pulling that in. Now, I'm not a doctor, okay? Don't, please. I mean, don't come and sue me because it didn't work for you, okay? As a general rule of law, if you want to get rid of that thing, you got to do the right thing, and all the weightlifting in the world isn't going to do it. And likewise, thinking you're going to live the Christian experience on your own will not work. You're wasting your time, your money, your energy. You're defeated. You're walking around with legalism. God doesn't want you to do that, which leads to the second thing. Am I getting a little wound up? Do I need to breathe? Where's my water? Thanks, Kaylin. 
on the Christian life altogether or to live a life that's far less than what God intends for you to live. And here's the application. What is impossible for you is possible for God. Our victory is found in the Holy Spirit. And what it boils down to is it boils down to keeping your eyes on Jesus. Because just, go ahead. Yes, Cindy, yeah. This gal is transformed. I'm just watching the Holy Spirit come alive in her. So if she wants to clap, man, let's, let's pause and, and, and let's, let's clap. It, it boils down to keeping your eyes on Jesus, depending on him. Just as you depended on Christ to save you, you need to keep depending on Christ to complete you. Yeah, to use you, to empower you. It involves submitting to, to his lordship. It, it involves uh, being honest. Oh, man, we believers don't ever get this right hardly at all. Being honest when you fail. 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 Don't call me subjective. How do I know you fail? Because I walk the same road you do, and I fail. And, and part of the enemy's clutch in your life is a refusal to be honest about that with God and with one another. Oh. Your victory is found in being honest with God and then a deep, deep, deep dependence on the Holy Spirit. So there's this conflict going on, right? Did you get it? You guys are looking good. You're looking good. All right. Now, I want to move to the second thing here, and that is victory in the Spirit. Now, this is Ephesians chapter 5, starting with verse 15. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. And if you're not seeing that, you're not paying attention. Verse 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And here it is right here. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with with the Spirit. And I'm not going to stop there because the church is being undermined way too much today for me not to read what's next because we've got to value this, this stuff. Verse 19, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. <laughs> Do not get drunk with wine, which will lead to excessive behavior and ultimately destroy you, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is very interesting, and I have to point this out because a moment ago I said I'd come back to Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, uh, travelers were blown away that they were hearing people speaking in their own language as they were empowered by, 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 the, by, the, by, the, by the Holy Spirit here. But they also, some among that group, also accused those disciples of being drunk on wine because of their excessive behavior right, right there. Now, isn't that an interesting idea that this concept is reinforced right here? Do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Okay, now think about this. When someone is drunk on wine, when someone is influenced by an, an intoxicant, we tend to say they're under the influence of. They're under the influence of. So the passage suggests you're going to be under the influence of something. So here's the best thing. Be influenced by the Spirit of God. That's the right choice. All the other choices are a path to to messing you up. So when someone is drunk or, or someone is high, they are under the influence of intoxicants. When someone is filled with the Holy Spirit, they're under the influence of, of God. Okay, now what happens when someone is under the influence of, of intoxicants? Oh, yeah, you're all too perfect, right? You don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe you heard about it once or read about it somewhere. What happens? You act differently, you speak differently, you think differently. How dry I am, how wet I'll, oh, better stop right there. Accidents happen under the influence. Lives get ruined under the influence. Careers destroyed, relationships messed up, crimes committed under the influence. I understand that, that of those in jails and prisons, most of them, got there when they made a bad choice under the influence of one of these intoxicants. Because when you're under the influence of intoxicants, you think differently, you act differently, and you talk differently. And it's not just intoxicants. It's anything that you're allowing to take a place in your life that is meant to be under the influence of God. So Hollywood can cause you to act differently, think differently, talk differently. The media can cause you the same. Bad education can cause you the same. Now, huge contrast right here. When you're under the influence of the Holy Spirit, what happens? You think differently, you act differently, and you talk differently. (laughs) Under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you wake up each day with God-given purpose. I was made for this. Huh? Under the influence of the Holy Spirit, you impact others' eternity. I need to... Calm down, calm down, Mike, right? You fellowship with God's people. You love better. You experience a life of joy and peace under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Friend, go ahead. Give him glory. Give God glory. So what God is saying is this is the better way of life. In fact, this is the way of life. Don't be drunk but be filled. Okay, now I have to get even more honest. Let's, let's be really honest here. Some people drink simply because they want to get drunk. Okay, so why do people want to get drunk? Well, some find comfort in it. Life gets really tough. It's, it's filled with problems. So some say, you know, when I'm drunk, my problems just seem to go away. Uh, We even give it names like Southern Comfort, (laughs) right? But that's a lie. It's, It's a lie. Listen, those same giants that were there, when you decided to be inebriated, intoxicated, or influenced by these kind of things will still be there when you sober up. 
And sometimes they grow out. Sometimes they grow teeth. I mean, you've got to conquer the, the giants. Others say they get drunk because it gives them confidence. Think about this. You know, a little alcohol will soothe your social anxieties. So what do you do? Let alcohol be your advocate. I mean, alcohol may even convince you that you're the life of the party on top of the world with, with lots and lots of friends. And then, uh-oh, you, you wake up. Whoops. Oh, my goodness. My poor dad at the bar every night, a manic depressive, putting alcohol in the mix. Oh, horrible, 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 horrible. So here's the truth. Anything that we look to to fill a place that was made for God to fill is a dangerous, deadly counterfeit. It's the Holy Spirit who is the real deal. When you're hurting, let him be your comfort. When you're facing giants, let him be your strength. Go after them and, and to conquer them. When, when you feel inadequate, oh man, trust him in your inadequacies because he's got you more than covered. In fact, even in trusting him in your inadequacies, there's a possibility that he would give you exactly what you need at that moment in order to deal with whatever you need to deal with. Okay, I'm not saying that's always the case because sometimes it has to be him. Sometimes we just have to say, unless you do something, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm in a mess right here. Don't be drunk, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, so then it gets really interesting here because whenever we talk about this Holy Spirit thing, there are those believers, you know, who, who are kind of getting stirred and a little bit uncomfortable and they'll say that, you know, this whole spirit thing, this Holy Spirit thing makes me real, really uncomfortable, and frankly, I don't like the taste of it. Well, isn't that interesting? I mean, think about many people who drink alcohol. They say, you know, I had to acquire a taste for, for alcohol. Well, just because you have to acquire a taste for something doesn't mean it's bad for you. I mean, when I was a kid, I far preferred Hostess Fruit Pies, Cupcakes, and Ding Dongs to spinach. Did that make spinach bad for me? No way. No way. Just because you need to acquire a taste for something doesn't make them bad. They may even be good. I, I, listen, I never thought I would like plain Greek yogurt. No. But I have to tell you, plain, plain Greek yogurt and me, we've become really good friends. We are tight. Why? Plain Greek yogurt helped me to lose 30 plus pounds. And I used to have a really messed up stomach and plain Greek yogurt makes my stomach feel really good. <laughs> yogurt is good to me. <laughs> yeah. And if God says, and it's a command, it's not a suggestion, if he says, be filled with the Spirit, then don't you think just maybe God knows what he's talking about? Now, now, part of the problem is we're so educated in, in, the, in the church because we say, you know, hey, when, when I put faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit took up residence in my life. Everything I need to live the victorious Christian, Christian life has been given me 
by God. Well, that may be true. However, the verb tense that's used in the command doesn't just say be filled. It says be being filled. It's a practice so that there's not just one filling or 10 fillings or 100 fillings or 1,000 fillings. This is about learning to walk in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Just because you, you, you might have gotten drunk once doesn't make you always drunk any more than just because you were filled with the Holy Spirit at one time means you're currently walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So I've got to tell you a little bit of my story, okay? Uh, I came to faith largely because of a friend in school uh, named Pete, and I talk about Pete, and I talk about Pete a lot. I've recently talked about Pete. I love, I love Pete. Uh, you know, we used to call him old everything under control Pete. I mean, he just didn't seem to live with the kind of fear the rest of us had. He's, he seemed to walk in some kind of, of peace. He would literally just stare, steer, steer his fears. I have problems with those words, the EAs and the EEs and all that stuff. He would literally steer his fears. There's two of them there. I'm in real trouble, right? Uh, r- right, right, right in the, in the face, and he would often say, well, there were times when Pete would get messed up. I mean, I remember one time we were backpacking up in the Pintalinta Mountains, Mount Graham in February. And, it, man, we worked so hard to get to this lake up there. And uh, we thought it was just be an amazing time. But, we were, man, we were way up to here in snow, and there was a storm coming in. So when I popped the lid off of my pudding and saw little metal rings in there, and I showed it to Pete, and I said, uh, should I eat this? And he said, Go ahead and eat it and die, so I have to carry you out of here, too. <laughs> I didn't eat my pudding that day. I mean, he wasn't perfect by, by any means. But Pete would always say, it all works out in the end. I wasn't so sure about that. I mean, man, if it's to be, it's up to me. So whatever it was that Pete had, I, I wanted some of it. So our senior year... Uh, Through a series of events, I got to walk with him a little bit more closely, and I discovered he gave all the glory to God. He credited his faith in Jesus Christ to what all of us young people were witnessing. He actually believed God loved him. He actually believed God was with him and strengthened him and helped him. He actually prayed and gave his cares to God and believed that God could handle it. Uh, Imagine that. So, so I decided that I would put my faith in Jesus. And when I went away to, to the university, Northern Arizona University, I wrote all my friends, my new Christian friends, a song called Faithfully Bound. And man, I was passionate. I got involved with crew. I got in Bible studies. I was telling everybody about Jesus. I was excited. I would literally fast at 18 years old from Friday night until Sunday morning. I mean, nothing but water. Because I was after God. No social stuff. I just, I just wanted God, right? And uh, that, was, that was a big deal because at NAU on, Friday, on Saturday nights, it was always steak night. I mean, steak, shrimp, roast beef, and I love meat. I mean, forget plain Greek yogurt. Give me meat, right? Yeah, I love meat. Red meat. Yeah, pink meat, right? Dark meat. White meat. Just give me meat. I love meat. But I was after God. But I was doing it on my own strength. So second semester, I come back, 
and I crash. I mean, I fall. I fall in, in the presence of these people that I have been witnessing to. They, they all saw it. It really messed some of them up. Others were rejoicing. I mean, I think Satan and all his demons were like, we won. Some of my friends were like, we won. I went on a three-day drunk on my 19th birthday. Oh, man, it was horrible. Then I was staying up till three in the morning, just getting wasted with these friends. And one night, 3 a.m., Holy Spirit came knocking. He said, hey, Michael, Take a look around the room. Are you having any fun? Really? He said, wasn't it a whole lot better when you were walking with me? And I was like, yeah, Lord, really. He said, tell you what, I want to meet you in your room right now. I couldn't get out of there fast enough. I fell at my bed. My Bible fell open. I didn't know Scripture very well here. It fell open to this passage I want to read you in Romans chapter 7. I could not believe what I was reading. So as I read it, I want you to see that image again because I think we have it. I want you to see this conflict that's going on here. Okay, so, so listen to this. This is Romans 7, Okay, starting with verse 14. And when it talks about the law, it's talking about the good law of God, okay? This law that we can't quite attain. Listen to it. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. 17. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. Now if I do... What I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Verse 21, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And this was my whole heart right here. What a wretched man I am. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And I'm glad the passage didn't end there because what's next resounded with joy in my spirit, spirit when I read, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Give him glory. Go ahead. Give God glory. And I tell you, at that moment, I called on God like I'd never called on him before, and he filled me with his Holy Spirit. Some say I really wasn't born again in, until this moment. I don't know, but, but what, what I do know is this. I believed, I fell, and then I experienced the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's what I discovered. Conflict with, with the flesh, victory through the Spirit. Now let's look at the fullness of surrender. 
clearly I've given you this contrast and similarity between being drunk on alcohol and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Friends, that's just an example, okay? Here's the big question. Here's the big question. This is between you and God. Okay, get me out of here. Let me disappear. God is asking you now, and, and you please consider it. What are you really under the influence of? What are you yielding to and surrendering to? What is it you turn to for escape, for comfort, for courage, for companionship? Oh, man, we didn't even go there, how people are messing their lives up in relationships, acting differently, thinking differently, talking differently, right? I mean, maybe these things work for a, for a moment, but ultimately, they, they leave you empty. And, and I'm asking, God is asking, are you chasing ever-disappointing pursuits, honestly? The Spirit-filled life has nothing to do with you getting more of the Holy Spirit. It has everything to do with the Spirit getting more of you. It's a surrendered life. It's about letting something go in order to take hold of something greater. The Bible poses to you, do you not know that your body, I'm going to put this personal here, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. He is in you. You've received him as a gift from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. The best thing you can give God is you and let it all go. And if you're seeing your need, Jesus says to anyone who here, if anyone is thirsty, honestly, let them come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And right now, you can experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit as a way of life. According to his promise, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. And according to his command, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then make it your practice to, to, to have spiritual breathing be a part of your life. Exhale. When you become aware of an area of your life that you're trying to control, that you're not giving to God a room, that you're trying to keep the door closed from Him. Exhale. Confess it as sin. And then inhale. Receive the fullness of the Spirit. Would you pray with me? It's you and God now. What's He saying to you? What's he saying to you? And how will you respond? Maybe your prayer would be something like this. Oh, Lord, I need you. I need you. I see it. I need you. And I've been holding out on you. I agree with you, Lord. And, and the stuff that I'm holding out, it's not contributing to life. It's, it's just kind of a mirage. It's, it's never quite what I thought it was when I finally get there. So, Lord, I'm running to you with everything. You take your rightful place. You be the captain of this life. Teach me to keep my eyes on you. Today I'm turning around. I'm repenting. I'm looking to you. I'm surrendering.
I'm giving myself to you. Maybe you've never received Christ as your Savior and Lord. Hear what he's saying. As many as receive him, even those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, human order, or of a parent's will, but children born of God. Consider these things and we're going to continue worshiping.